Well, Merry Christmas. Aren't you excited? My grandsons are excited. I was playing tag with my grandsons today. I didn't realize that a seven-year-old and a five-year-old could wear you out. We came in the house. I plopped down on the floor hoping to get just a moment of rest, and they jumped on top of me and says, present time. Not yet, but I am so glad that they're here, and I'm glad to see you tonight as well, and I hope that you enjoy your families and that you enjoy not only the gifts and the food. I've had so much food, so much food, but don't stop. <laughs> I have enjoyed sinning boldly and committing the sin of gluttony this year. It's been incredible. I started fast right after the turn of the year by Becky's command. So, has nothing to do with Jesus. It has everything to do with Becky. Honey, come on up here with me. I'm going to ask you to lead us in prayer in just a moment. But um, I don't know any woman that loves God more, serves more people, works in more ways, and is in more places than my wife. Would you give her a big hand tonight? I love her. If you would, stand with me. And I want to read to you from Luke chapter 2 and verse 8 this evening. And I want to talk for just a moment about meet me at the manger. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began to say to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry, in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen just as had been told them. For 63 years, I've celebrated Christmas. Our children tonight, three of them are here with us, and one is in a Christmas Eve service out of town. And I'm so thankful that I come from a family that celebrated Christmas together every year and prayed together. I'm so thankful that my children have grown up like that for 20 years with you celebrating Christmas. And I am so thankful that you're bringing your children to the house of God tonight. You're bringing them to the sanctuary, and you're bringing them into the presence of the Lord, and you're saying, this is what Christmas is all about. And so I'm going to ask my wife if she would pray for us tonight and pray for the service and pray for me, okay? Precious Father, we are so blessed. And Lord, especially at this season of the year, we look around and we just... See how blessed we are with our family yes, and our Jesus. children and our loved ones, our warm homes and our happy hearts. 
And Father, Lord, we open our hearts this year to those that are less fortunate. Father, help us to see this world as you see it. Amen. Father, help us to see those in need around us. Father, help us to open our hearts to those that just need a word of encouragement. Yes, Jesus. And Father, I pray that because of the birth of a simple little baby that changed the whole world, that, Father, we would share this joy, we would share this love, we would share this message. There is a Savior mm. born, not just to the whole world, but to me. Hallelujah. To those who are in need, to those who need to feel your love, oh God, I pray that we will be your hands and your feet and your eyes and your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Turn around and hug the person next to you. If you don't know them, don't freak them out. Just shake their hand. Hallelujah. Let me ask you a question. Do you have anybody in your family that has a listening problem? I didn't say a hearing problem, but a listening problem. Anybody in your family like that? Yeah, I thought so. I just wanted you to bear witness with me because Becky apparently thinks I have a listening problem from time to time. And I can repeat every word back to her that she said, and she says, I know you heard me, but you didn't listen to me. And that really doesn't make any sense to me until she helps me to understand. There's a story told of King Edward VII, his son, excuse me, his grandson, the prince one day while they were eating, he was talking and he went to interrupt his grandfather and he said, grandfather, and the king got onto him and rebuked him. He said, you never rebuke the king when he is talking. And the other people sitting at the table chastised him and scolded him and so the king continued with his little speech that he was making at the dinner table that night with his family and his grandchildren around them. And then he turned to his son and he says, now what was it you wanted to say to grandfather? He says, never mind, grandfather, there was a caterpillar on your salad and you've already eaten it. <laughs> you know, sometimes we all have a listening problem. We have a hearing problem. And tonight, I'd like to challenge you to meet me at the manger and to listen carefully tonight to what the angels had to say to those shepherds. Shepherds, as Pastor Rick shared with us last Wednesday night, they're not very respected men in the Bible stories. They're men that were kind of rough. They were men that worked in the fields. They were men that because of their job, they didn't smell very well. They didn't look like you do tonight. And, and although here at Woodland, they would be welcome as all are welcome, they were places that they were not welcome. They were not welcome in the temple because they were considered unclean. But there is nobody beyond the love and the reach of Christ. There is no body beyond the love and the reach of a New Testament church. Can you say amen to that? And it's interesting to me that those shepherds listened carefully to what the angels had to say, the good news, the great tidings of joy. And when they heard the angels, they went to see for themselves and I like the fact that the Bible gives us a little bit of insight there. and says they went in a hurry. I don't like it when people drag around. I don't like it when people are slow. My biggest challenge that I face in life is impatience. 
I was telling our congregation here at Woodland not too long ago that I was coming back. I had led a retreat for 28 missionaries in Dearborn, and I was on my way back, and it had been a spiritual retreat, a spiritual time, and there was somebody in front of me they couldn't decide which lane they wanted to be in. They were driving below the speed limit. They changed. I tried to pass. They changed back in the lane. I had just hung up the phone by tapping my earpiece, and I said to myself out loud, if you don't know how to drive that stupid car, pull it off the road. Siri rebukes me right there, and she says, Dennis, that's not very nice. I want you to know somebody is always listening. In the world that we're living in today, there's always somebody that's listening. Part of my problem was my impatience and my hurry to get back down river. And yet tonight, I hope that you and I will always be in a hurry to go and see what God has for us. And the Bible says that we saw the baby, and they saw the baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes. I was singing that song tonight away in the manger, and I thought to myself, I wonder if the Lord Jesus didn't cry, I know it says no crying he makes, but I have never seen a baby that didn't cry. And every once in a while, I'll tell a young mother from the pulpit here that goes to take their baby out of the service, please don't take that baby out. You're not going to bother us, and you're certainly not going to bother our great God in heaven. He loves the sound of our children. But they went and they told the story of what the angels told them, but they also added their eyewitness testimony. They told what they had seen and what they had experienced. Maybe it's because they were shepherds, but people were not as quick to listen to shepherds. Not everybody gets an angelic visit. I've never had one. Not everybody gets the benefit of a supernatural appearance that some people have had, like Martin Luther testifies that he'd had, and like others have testified that they've had from time to time, like the Apostle Paul had for Christ appeared to him. But the angels appeared to them and says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. And those angels became the first evangelists after they had heard the gospel they shared the good news. They spread the good news. And I want to encourage you with that. Never grow tired of telling the story of Jesus. Never grow tired of telling the true story of Christmas. Never grow tired of telling people what Christ has done in your life because your story has amazing power and your story has amazing influence. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 that faith comes from hearing and that hearing is the good news about Jesus Christ. Whenever you tell your story of what God has done, you're sharing the good news. God has not been bad. God has not been evil. God has not been unkind to any one of us in this room or to anyone in this world. God has come to bring the greatest gift of all, and that's the gift of Jesus who shed his very own blood so that you and I could be saved and be born again and know him personally. That's the good news of Christmas. Can we give him a hand of praise of thanksgiving for that? The Bible says in Psalms 119 and verse 17 that your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. And I've often thought about that, how easy it is for us as Christians to say we believe that, that God's instructions are worth more to us than gold and silver, and yet we find ourselves working to hoard gold and silver rather than being willing to give of our time and our talent and our treasure like the wise men who came to give to Christ. You don't have to worry about not hearing Jesus. Once in a while, somebody will come to me, and I love being a pastor. I love helping people grow and discover faith and what it means to become a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. 
But every once in a while, somebody will say, well, pastor, I haven't heard from God. I, I, how do you hear from God? Well, you hear from God by reading His Word daily. You hear from God by sitting there and not just reading it quickly, but reading it and saying to yourself, how does this apply to me? Praying the Word of God back and then trusting that still, small voice that during the day gives you a prompt, gives you a, a sense of encouragement to do something. Pastor Corey mentioned that I will be preaching a series starting in January, the first Sunday in January, God Friended Me. It's been an interesting show for me to watch and to see how the culture is looking at the friendship of God. And I'm so thankful that Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friends. I am a friend of God tonight. And if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are a friend of God as well this evening. And the, one of the reasons that I know that it's not impossible to hear the voice of the Lord it's because of the stories when I was studying in Israel, working on my master's, and I was learning about biblical culture in Israel, Israeli culture and biblical history. One of the things that we were taught was how that shepherds could mix all of their flocks of sheep together at one watering hole or one well. You could take a shepherd with, let's say, a dozen sheep and another shepherd with a dozen sheep and another shepherd with a dozen sheep, and pretty soon you had 36 sheep around the same watering hole. And when one shepherd got ready to go, all the shepherd had to do was to call or to whistle or to just let his voice be known, and all of his sheep would leave the 36 others or 26 others and follow him. You see, there is something deep inside of you. If you will stay close to Jesus, if you will read His Word, you will know the right way to go. You will know the right thing to do. God's Word is worth more to you than all the silver and the gold in this world. Can you say amen? amen. Paul Tillich was a great theologian in the past generation, and Tillich wrote these words, the first duty of love is to listen. And when Becky tells me sometimes you're not listening. What she's really telling me is I'm not loving her very well. well. I kind of pride myself on the fact that I love my wife so much, that I adore her, and I really do just, I, I would give anything for Becky. And yet, when she says you don't listen well, those words from Tillich come back to my mind. And how do you listen? You listen with your face. You, you look at people and you empathize with them. You let them see your expressions. You watch their expressions because people's faces will give away more than their words. People's eyes will give away more than their words. You've heard the saying that the eyes are the, are the wellsprings to the soul. You can look into somebody's eyes sometime and tell more. You, you listen with your heart. You empathize with them. And when I say empathize, you try to put yourself in their shoes and to have compassion upon them. But more than that, you take the time to listen because when Becky tells me you're not listening very well, you're not listening to me, I'm typically in a hurry, and my actions or my responses are such that I'm saying to you, I don't have time for you. And yet, when we listen to our children, when we listen to one another, when we listen to our friends, it takes time to listen. It takes time to develop a habit. I love to play golf. I'm not very good at it. I don't worry about it. I've never had a bad day on the golf course. Never. Not one time have I had a bad day on the golf course. Every day has been a wonderful day on the golf course. Now, there's been some people that have played with me who have had some pretty bad days on the golf course. They've fussed, they've fumed, they've thrown their clubs. And I was going out one day with a, a guy that was a teaching pro, and he was showing me some things. And he said, now, if you will listen to me, and so I would get up and hit the ball. He says, you didn't listen to me, Pastor. And he would grab my shoulders, grab my waist, turn me and show me how I was supposed to, and I listened. 
Ron Mel is a pastor in California. Well, Ron's passed away now. He was a great pastor. But Ron was talking about how he was playing golf on a new course, and he hired a caddy because a caddy is supposed to know every hole and every green. And every time they would get up to a new green or to a new hole and he would tee up, the caddy would give him some instructions about this hole, where to hit it, what club to use. And Ron would look out and Ron was a great golfer. He was a scratch golfer and he would ignore his caddy's advice and he was having a bad day. And so finally the caddy, and Ron says his name was Ed, Ed looked at him and says, Pastor, you are not listening to me. I have played this course. I have worked this course for over 20 years. I know every green. I know every fairway. I know every rough. And as long as you're not listening, you're going to have a bad day. But if you will listen to me, you'll play some good golf. And friends, I'm here to tell you, if we will listen to the word of the Lord, we will have a good life and a merry, merry Christmas. Can we give him another hand of thanksgiving and praise for that this morning? So let me ask you some questions real quickly. How would your life be different if you really, really believe the good news? If you really believe that God loves you? If you really believe that God has a wonderful plan for your life? Last night we were at a party, and we were in a little private room in a restaurant with some friends that had invited us to a party, and, and I was talking to one of the folks there, and I said, um, tell me what your favorite Bible verse is. And they said, my mother-in-law taught me this verse, and I've made it my life verse, and that is, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, but to do you good. Jeremiah 29, 11. And I saw the mother-in-law light up, I saw her light up, and I realized then she was listening to the word of the Lord, because I remember when the daughter-in-law came to know Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. So how would your life be different if you really believe the good news that God has good things in store for you? How would your thinking change? How would your mind change? How would your behavior change? You see, mine and Becky's lives and passionate followers of Jesus Christ, our lives are different because we believe the good news. Our relationships are different because we believe the good news. Our career choices are different because we believe the good news. How we manage our finances are different because we believe the good news. How we feel about eternity makes a difference because we believe the good news. Pastor Mark, you may be aware that his wife Kyra is in California right now with her mother who's in hospice care. Kyra is not able to spend Christmas with her family this year so she could be there to take care of her mom. I've always loved Mary and just been so drawn to her every time that she's flown home to visit with the Wardas. And I called Mary again last night and we talked and we prayed together, but I just listened to Mary with such great peace she was so thankful to have one more Christmas. She was so thankful for her family. She expressed thanks for this church's prayers and intercession for her. But as she's approaching the end of her life, she said to me, Pastor, I'm not afraid, for I believe what Christ has done for me at Calvary and that he waits for me. Friends, I want you to know your life, your thinking, your fears disappear when you know that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. And then, how would your relationships change? How would your prayer life change? How would your faith in God change if you really believe what this angel said to the shepherds? Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Say that with me. Great joy. Say it again. Great joy. Look at your neighbor tonight. Even if you don't know them and say, God's got great joy for you. He's got great joy for you. And you go, well, how does that work? 
I didn't say tell everybody. Now, look, I've got a limited amount of time because you want to go home. So you need to listen fast. How does that work? Well, first of all, he says, don't be afraid. Just like Mary was telling me, I'm not afraid. The angel says, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. In verse 14, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. You see, God loves you. And this is the good news that Christ has come into this world because God loves us. I was reading Psalms 50 for my devotions this morning, and I was sitting in front of our fireplace early and thinking and praying, praying for this service tonight and thinking about you and who all would be here this evening. As I read Psalms 50 again that I've read so many times, and God says to people who believe, but they kind of just make worship a ritual God says, don't you understand what I really want from you is your gratitude and your thanksgiving. And then I read about those people who they go through the forms, but they treat God's word like it's trash. That's what he says. You treat my word like it's trash. You go through a form, but you really have no love for me, no fear of me in your heart. And then once again, that psalm concludes and he says, oh, that you would just come with thanksgiving and how God would bless us. Friends, I think it's time this Christmas to recognize that it is God who sent His Son into this world. It is this awesome God before before whom all humanity, every man, every woman, every race, every nationality will stand before one day and that we give Him thanks for Christmas time. This season does not belong to the world. It belongs to the church. But the message belongs to the world. And it's the church's responsibility to take this message of peace on earth. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, and I'm going to use a translation here called the Phillips translation. It's an old translation, but I love the way that Pastor J.B. Phillips wrote this. It is by faith that we are justified. Let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, If there's peace to be had with God, that means that as human beings, we've had a conflict with God. If there's peace with God to be had because of Calvary, that means that there has been a conflict with God. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 78, a part of the Christmas story, God's love and kindness will shine upon us like the sun that rises in the sky. On us who live in the dark shadow of death, this light will shine to guide us into this life of peace. You see, there is this hostility in the hearts of human beings that we want to be in charge of our lives. We want to call the shots. We want to say how life ought to want to be. We also want to tell God what kind of God He ought to be. But Jesus came to show us what Christ was really like and how we could come to Christ and how we could come to God. And that was only through the sacrifice of His life at Calvary and His resurrection that prepared a way for us. You see, this is a conflict that God chose to take care of because there was not a thing that you and I could do to make peace with God. Only God could give the perfect sacrifice and that was his son, Jesus Christ. I hate to belabor the fact, but aren't you grateful for that tonight? Can we not give him another hand of thanksgiving and praise? <laughs> Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. The Bible tells us, so that there are monsters searching for the manger. And that's the thing that troubles me. 
I was playing with my grandsons tonight, and the message, of course, is until it's over, is always in the back of your mind. It's always bubbling there. It's always brewing there. And I remembered watching them run and play, and we were playing tag in the backyard. And I remembered this point that I wanted to bring up. There are monsters. It's a part of the Christmas story that when Herod heard about our Lord and Savior, that Herod tried to take his life. And that when Herod couldn't find him, he decided he would kill every baby in that community, two years old and under. That's a horrible part of the Christmas story that people don't like to contemplate because, as I said Sunday, we like to wrap ourselves up in a Norman Rockwell kind of Christmas. But there are many people outside this sanctuary tonight They don't know the Norman Rockwell Christmas that maybe you know and your family knows. Because it seems like almost weekly I read in our paper how another baby has been killed, how another child has been kidnapped or abducted on their way to school in Detroit. It seems like every week we read about another bombing and we read about another suicide bombing and we read about the horrors that are taking place in this world. We read about a Christian missionary being executed or martyred. I just sat with 28 of them, some of them going into countries that we can't identify who are going to work legitimate careers, but their only hope of going into these countries where their life is on the line is that they will go to be able to share the good news of Jesus as people approach them. And I look at their courage and I admire them and we're praying over them that God will give them wisdom and God will give them courage, but God will help them to be cautious as well because there are monsters tonight. It's not just Herod, but there are monsters tonight that seek to prey upon our children. Sometimes they're religious monsters as we've watched the child abuse cases that have taken place in the news that have brought shame upon the name of Christ as we have watched story after story. And I'm here on this Christmas Eve service to tell you as you bow before the Lord Jesus, recognize there is a conflict in this world. There may be trees and there may be Santa Clauses and there may be reindeers and elves in your neighborhood, but understand there is a cosmic battle going upon this world for the souls of men and women. It is up to you and I to follow the shepherds and to meet Christ at the manger and to tell people what we have seen, what we experienced, and what the good news is that Christ has come to save us from our sins. That's Christmas time. You see, God calls me to be a peacemaker. God calls me to be someone that works for peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And I know that sometimes we fear making peace. We fear trying to help others. Fear keeps us from doing those things that God calls us to do. Sometimes we fear rejection. What's going to happen if people don't listen? I've got good news for you. People will listen to you. Your story matters. You have no idea. There are people you know who wouldn't give you a dime to hear me talk, but they really would love to know what Jesus Christ has done in your life. They're not going to reject you. There are some people that they're afraid of the future. They're afraid that somehow or another, if if they turn their life over for Jesus, then maybe their lives are changed, their decisions will change, what God will do in their lives. I recently was praying with someone that says, you know, I, I want to become a Christian, but I've got this plan that I want to do. This is what I want to achieve, and I'm afraid if I become a Christian that God will change his plans, my plans, and he has a whole new plan for me. 
And I told him, I said, I can't make you a promise that he won't, but I can make you a promise in this. God's a whole lot smarter than you are. God's a whole lot more wiser than you are. And if God's got a plan for your life, it's a whole lot better than the plan you have for your life. And it is a plan that will last for eternity. And some people just simply fear the circumstances around them. Friends, that's what Christmas is all about. So I want to invite you this evening, if you're not a follower of Jesus, would you just accept God's gift to you? Would you just accept God's amazing love to you? I shared with our congregation two weeks ago how a few years ago, before we moved to Detroit, I, I brought a gift for my wife. I had it especially made. I worked hard to get this thing put together, get it together. I got it. I hid it. I put it in a safe deposit box. And once a week, I'd go by the safe deposit box to look at it. And the more I'd look at it, the more I wanted to give it to her. And I thought, well, instead of giving it to her for Christmas, I'll give it to her for our anniversary. And then, instead of waiting until our anniversary, I just finally couldn't stand it anymore. I went to the bank. I told my banker, I says, Jeanette, I need to get into my safe deposit box. We went in there. I got it out. She says, are you going to give it to her now? I said, yes, I'm going to give it to her now. I said, it's driving me crazy. I want you to know something. Unlike me, God knows the right time. Unlike me, God has the greatest gift for you of all. And that gift is His Son, Jesus Christ. And you don't know what life is until you know Jesus. Let's look at it again. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Would you stand with me this evening and let me pray for you? Jesus, I am so grateful for you. And I'm so thankful to be here with friends tonight and to share with them one more time that you sent your son into this world to save people like me and like them. God, I pray that we'll never trust in our works or our rituals for they can't save us. But I pray that we'll put our total faith in the amazing work that you did for us at Christ through the cross. And I pray that this Christmas Eve that if there are those here tonight they've come with family or friends but deep in their heart, it's like they're hearing a voice they've never heard before. Maybe it's not audible, but it's a desire to commit my life to Jesus. It's a desire that I will live the kind of life that my children will see Jesus in me. It's a desire that my marriage and my family will be a life that experiences the good plan of God, the plan to save me, to give me a hope in a future. And that they will just simply, courageously take that step of faith tonight and say, Jesus, I commit my life to you. You know, normally I pray 
then I ask people to keep their heads bowed and their eyes closed but tonight with every head bowed if you know this evening that you really need to commit your life to Jesus you need to accept God's gift of Jesus Christ for you this Christmas Eve would you just lift up your hand and say Pastor Clanton I know I need him and I want you to pray for me tonight God bless you there are others say would you pray for me yes sir (laughs) there are others yes sir I see your hand thank you God bless you yes ma'am there are others you say I don't hear anything maybe you won't hear anything it's it's a sense inside you know you need to do this that's God yes sir You can trust Him. Don't do it because I'm asking you to, but do it because you want to this Christmas Eve. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud, but I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. And I have lived my life with no regard for you with no regard for your will for my life but tonight as much as I know how I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ I'm accepting your gift of Jesus please forgive my sins sin is our moral failures my sin is my moral failures It doesn't mean you won't ever sin again, but you're trusting Jesus to take care of your sins. So just pray, forgive me of my sins and come into my life. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, when this service is over, in a few minutes, you can be seated. I'm sorry, you can be seated, but... Pastor Rick Sutton is going to come up and he's going to dismiss you. But this service is over. He's going to tell you about a little packet that we've got for you to help you get started in your new life with Christ. If you prayed that prayer. And if you, if you didn't pray that prayer and you want to know more, you pick up one of these packages as well this evening. Because I want you to understand completely what you've done. And if you pick up that package, I want you to do me a favor. It'll just come to me. Nobody's going to come knocking on your door. Nobody's going to be bird-dogging you. We'll be there if you ask us to. I promise you that. But I want to write you a letter when I get back. And I've got something else I want to send you to help you get started in your life with Jesus Christ. But right now, we're about to do something that only Christians can do. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you to feel free to take communion with us. Because when Jesus Christ forgives your sins, He makes you a brand new person and a brand new creation. And the Bible tells us that even the angels celebrate. And if the angels can celebrate, by golly, we're going to celebrate tonight. So let's give the Lord one more hand of praise for what He's done in people's lives.
John 1, 14 says, So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about Him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for He existed long before me. From His abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. As we celebrate communion this Christmas Eve, we're reminded once again just the gracious blessings that God has given each and every one of us. As you gather together as a family tomorrow and open up presents, and I want you to remember every blessing you've received is from Christ. It's because of His unfailing love, His faithfulness. It's because He came to earth Emmanuel, God with us. It's because he died on the cross at Calvary. Because we can receive forgiveness of his, our sins. Christmas is the beginning steps that God took for us to start a new relationship with God. And as we prepare tonight to take communion, think about the gracious blessings that we've received. Our family, our jobs, one another. But most importantly, forgiveness. Let's pray. God, tonight I'm reminded once again of the words the angel spoke. He will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And God, we are so grateful for your unfailing love and your faithfulness that you have shown to us. God, for sending your son Jesus into this world to live amongst us. God, it's hard to understand how he could leave heaven to be born as a baby, to walk amongst us. But when I understand your love for us, I can begin to understand why. And so, Father, as we prepare to celebrate Christmas with our families and loved ones, God, may we be reminded of your love for us the ultimate price of dying on that cross for us. As we hold the bread in our hands tonight, we're reminded how Jesus came to this earth and how his body was beaten and bruised and broken, how he died and how he was raised back to life. We are reminded that Jesus is the bread of life. Let's take the bread and eat it together tonight. Father, we thank you that we can receive healing in our bodies. For it's by your stripes that we are healed. And God, I just ask tonight, once again, touch those that need a touch in their body. Restore their health. God, we thank you for coming to this earth, being the bread of life to us. And God, as we hold the cup in our hands, we're reminded that without bloodshed, there could be no forgiveness of our sins. God, we're reminded of a relationship that was broken, but now restored because of what Christ did on that cross for us at Calvary. And so God, tonight we say thank you 
thank you for coming. Thank you for dying on that cross. Thank you for shedding that blood for us so that we could be forgiven. Let's drink the cup together. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. And God, tonight is, we've taken communion. God, we look forward to the day where we'll be with you for all eternity in heaven. God, rejoicing because of your unfailing love and your gracious blessings that you've given us. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Let's turn around one more time and make God's grace complete by greeting one another. The Bible says greet one another, love one another. That's part of what communion is all about. Just love each other.